You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. If you're not a real student of the Word and you pay attention, I hope it will prompt you, urge you, encourage you to become a real student of the Word. Now, to become a real student of the Word, let me just say very quickly, it's hard. It's hard work. You know, and my wife's used to this. I went in and uh, she's working in the downstairs office and I'm working in my upstairs bedroom office where I usually study now. And I just said, you know, if you do this regularly, it's hard. And she does it and she knows, she just said, yes, it's hard. In today's message, Pastor Danny will remind you that being a Christian isn't just saying your prayers and singing worship songs. A key component to obtaining and maintaining a healthy Christian lifestyle is Bible study. You have to become a student of the Word of God. Imagine you're in a college class. Your professor, the one who teaches, is God. The course material? The Bible. There may not be a syllabus to mark out what to learn, but you can always start at the beginning and go from there. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Exodus, chapter 25, as he begins his message, The Tabernacle. We start in Exodus 25, verse 1, and here's what it reads. The Lord said to Moses, and Moses is on the mountain now. That's the verse before. He's on the mountain and uh, receiving the Ten Commandments and uh, all the other things that go with it. Tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You're to receive the offering from me from each man whose heart prompts him to give. These are the offerings you're to receive from them. Gold, silver, and bronze. Blue, uh, gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, goat hair, ram skins dyed red, and hides of sea cows. Some translations, badgers. The Hebrew word uh, really suggests uh, sea cows. That's what the guys that are smarter than me suggest. Uh, Acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod, and we'll learn what the ephod is, and breast piece, and we'll learn what that is. Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I'll dwell among them. Make this tabernacle, note verse 9, make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. Now, if you're not a real student of the word and you pay attention, I hope it will prompt you urge you, encourage you to become a real student of the Word. Now, to become a real student of the Word, let me just say very quickly, it's hard. It's hard work. 
You know, and my wife's used to this. I went in and uh, she's working in the downstairs office and I'm working in my upstairs bedroom office where I usually study now. And I just said, you know, if you do this regularly, it's hard. And she does it and she knows she just said, yes, it's hard. That's why Paul said to Timothy, study to show yourself approved, a workman that does not need to be ashamed. It's work. But I'll tell you what, if you're willing to put the work in, it's worth because you'll get so much more out of it than you put into it. Okay, so note that verse, verse 9, make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. Now jump to chapter 25 and just look at verse 40. He's specifically talking about the lampstand here, but that's a piece of uh, furniture uh, for the tabernacle. But he says about it, see that you make them according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. One more. Jump to chapter 26 and verse 30, and he says there, set up the tabernacle according to the plan shown you on the mountain. So three times in those few uh, short, this little section here, God says to Moses, make sure you make it exactly like I show you, exactly like the blueprint. Why? Even if you know this, oh man, it's good. Just write down, I'm going to read it for you, Hebrews chapter 8 verse 5. Listen to what it says. They, talking about the priest and the Levites who served in the Old Testament tabernacle that we're reading about, they serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. That's incredible. Everything we're going to look at is a copy, it's a shadow. It signifies something that is in heaven, but it's not man-made. These things were man-made, but what's in heaven is not man-made. You with me? God made. So that's why Moses is warned by God uh, when he's about to build the tabernacle and prepare all the things for the tabernacle. See to it, you make everything according to the pattern I showed you on the mountain. I don't know why. I, I pulled out some old notes and still today sometimes I'll read something somewhere and I won't put down where I got it from. And these little booklets I do, I got one coming out now called Jesus is God. I think it's very practical. It, it really takes from the scriptures and proves that Jesus is God with a capital G. Um, and, and the lady who puts together the booklets, my former secretary who does some contract work for us now doing my little booklets, uh, will send me an email and say, where did you, where did you get that? And so many times we can't find where I got it because I forgot to write it down. I got another one from some old notes, but it's still good. I don't know where I got it from, but listen carefully. Listen. He that gave us no account of the lines and circles of the globe, the diameter of the earth, or the height and magnitude of the stars, has told us particularly the measure of every board and curtain of the tabernacle. That's fascinating to me. You know how many chapters we get on the creation? One. You know how many you get if you put them together on the tabernacle? At least 50. 50. You think God has something important he wants us to get from the tabernacle? I think so. The offerings where we opened up here that he gives the people an opportunity to give. And they're not forced to give them. It's a willing offering, whatever they want to bring. They got them when they left Egypt. So this is the riches that God gives them from 
the world. Egypt is a type of the world. And they were to have an opportunity, if they were willing, to give to something of eternal significance. That's a whole message. I won't get into it. But I hope, I pray, you're practicing regularly and counting it a privilege to give generously to things that make a difference and have an eternal significance. Starting with the church. Ending with the church. Now, Exodus 25, verse 10. Here's our first piece of furniture. Have them make a chest of acacia wood, two and a half cubits long, a cubit and a half wide, and a cubit and a half high. Overlay it with pure gold. A lot of stuff overlaid with gold in the tabernacle. Speaks of deity, of course. And make a gold uh, molding. Overlay it with pure gold both inside and out and make a gold molding around it. This is called the Ark of the Covenant. Verse 16. Uh, Then put in the Ark the testimony which I will give you. We'll show you what that is in just a minute. The testimony. Verse 17. Make an atonement cover of pure gold, two and a half cubits long, and a cubit and a half wide. And make two cherubim, that's angelic beings, out of hammered gold at the ends of the cover. Make one cherub on one end and the second cherub on the other. Make the cherubim of one piece with the cover. One piece of gold. Or at least together at the two ends. The cherubim, verse 20 are to have their wings spread upward, overshadowing the cover with them. Very interesting. Overshadowing the cover with them. The cherubim are to face each other. Please note, I underline the end of verse 20, looking down, looking toward the cover. Looking toward the cover. Now, I don't know which one I put next. These, this is the testimony that's in the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, one is a jar that God told Moses to put some manna in and put it in the Ark. The second is the Ten Commandments. Two tablets of the Ten Commandments in the Ark. And the third, this is a staff that is budded. It's Aaron's staff that had budded. Uh, we're not going to take time to go back to the story, but you find it, and I'll give it uh, where you can find it, Numbers um, Numbers chapter 17, specifically. Uh, and the situation there was Korah, Dathan, and Abiram rebelling against Moses and Aaron and trying to get the leadership, especially the priesthood, which God had reserved for Aaron and his descendants. And uh, after God dealt with... Uh, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Then he said to uh, Moses, take Aaron's staff and show it to the people, you know, and get the other staffs of the other leaders and bring them together. And what God did is he caused Aaron's staff to bud. And that was a proof and a testimony that he had called Aaron. He's the chosen high priest. He hadn't called Korah. He hadn't called Dathan. He hadn't called Abiram. He hadn't called anybody else. It's his sovereign choice of who's going to be the high priest. Okay, And it's interesting, uh, that staff, when it budded, that's life from death. All these things uh, are related to Jesus Christ. He's the only one that kept the Ten Commandments. He is the bread that came down from heaven. And he's the one that died and then 
raised again, okay? We could talk more about that, but we're not going to right now. Um, Let me go back and let's think about these cherubim. Specifically in verse 20, it says they're looking toward the cover, the cover. That's the atonement cover, the seat of atonement. Why is it called that? You can write down, again, if you're a student, uh, or you like to look later, Leviticus chapter 16. That is the detailed um, account of what a priest, the high priest especially, had to do once a year. And he's the only one that could do it on the Day of Atonement. What he would do is he would go into where the ark was. It's in the Holy of Holies, and you'll see that in a minute. Um, and he would sprinkle the sacrifice, the blood of the sacrifice, first a bull, then a goat. And he'd sprinkle it on the atonement cover. And then he'd come back out and he'd sprinkle it on another piece of uh, furniture you'll see in a minute, the altar of burnt offering, the horns, the four horns. But this was really significant when he came in and sprinkled it. And he's only to be in there long enough to get the job done and then he goes back out. All right? Only he could go into this place, the Holy of Holies where the ark was once a year, and sprinkle on the atonement cover, the seat of atonement, that blood, and those angels. It says, God says these angels are drawn their attention is drawn to that why i don't have a doubt if you like to turn keep a marker there just for a minute new testament first peter first peter we're doing pretty good for a bible study right first peter chapter 1 verse 10 concerning this salvation the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you Searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing. When he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. When they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even though they didn't really understand all of it. But notice the last section There in verse 12, even angels long to look into these things. The angels didn't have it all figured out either. Listen, New Testament tells us that Lucifer, he's an angel. He's a fallen angel. The number one fallen angel, at least he's uh, other than, um, well, he's, he's a fallen angel, okay? But the New Testament tells us he didn't get it. When he incited Judas to betray Jesus, he didn't get the wisdom of heaven. He really thought this was going to win the victory, but it sealed his ultimate defeat. Even angels long to look into these things. They are drawn their attention to this atonement seat, atonement cover on the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, back to our study, Exodus 25, verse 23. Next piece of furniture, the, make a table of acacia wood, two cubits long, a cubit wide, and a cubit and a half high. Overlay it with pure gold. Make a gold molding around it. Jump down, verse 29. Make its plates and dishes of pure gold as well as its pitchers and bowls for the pouring out of offerings. Put the bread of the presence on this table to be before me at all times. Now, just a fresh reminder. I don't think you've forgotten this quickly. All these things are copies and shadows of things in heaven. Fascinating. This is called the table of showbread. That's what people call it. 
It's called the bread of the presence. I wonder whose presence. It's God's presence. Um, you can write down, I'm not going to take time to, time to read it, Leviticus 24, Leviticus chapter 24, verses 5 through 9. And there God details the bread, six on one side, six on the other. They represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And the idea is, this is communion. This is the presence of God communing with his people. I think it's quiet because you're interested, right? Because you like it, right? Good, good. Israel considered bread to be life-giving and sustaining. And of course, it goes beyond earthly bread. I I think that goes without saying, but I'll say it. Uh, Jesus said, uh, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Deuteronomy tells us, and Jesus quoted it to, to Lucifer when Lucifer tempted him there in the wilderness. Man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. There's our sustenance, ultimately, eternally. It's the word of God and our communion with him. Tremendous stuff. And I could go a little further there, but I won't. Let's go to the next one. Exodus 25, verse 31. Make a lampstand. I meant to bring mine out of the office and just forgot. I got a little one I bought in Israel years ago that's really cool. And make a lampstand of pure gold, hammer it out, base and shaft. It's flowers. It's flower-like cups, buds and blossoms shall be of one piece uh, with it. Jump to verse 37. Then make it seven lamps and set them up on it so that they light the space in front of it. Its wick trimmers and trays are to be of pure gold. A talent of pure gold is to be used for the lampstand and all these accessories. You know how much a talent of pure gold is? If you've got a Bible like mine, it'll tell you right in the bottom. 75 pounds. That's some lampstand. Here's one depiction. Uh, We aren't told in the Bible, I don't know why, but that's that's the Lord. We aren't told the exact dimensions. Uh, Jewish tradition says it was approximately five feet high, three and a half feet wide, made out of 75 pounds of gold. Clear, high-quality olive oil was used for this lamp. And that tells us in other scriptures, we're not going to get to it, but you can write down Isaiah 11 too, because I believe the seven uh, lights, it's all to be of one piece. It's one piece. It's not seven, you know, kind of different lights. It's one piece giving off seven lights. And Isaiah 11.2 talks about the seven characteristics of the Spirit of God. And I'm not going to go through those, but there's seven characteristics. One Spirit. One Spirit. But seven characteristics of that one Spirit. And it's listed for us in Isaiah chapter 11, uh, verse 2. Now, this is fascinating to me because you'll see when we get through the whole thing, this uh, holy place and most holy place... uh, there's no light from the outside. There are no windows. You with me? So the light is from within. It's not the light from the sun or the moon or the stars. No. This is light from God. Now, I like, again, Bible studies like this that give me the time to say, turn to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. And I, whew, getting, I'm getting Jesus bumps. Really. Honestly. Honestly, it's just so exciting. And I, and I got excited earlier today, and I'm excited again. I got a feeling next time I look at it, I'll get excited again. Revelation 21, verse 23. Uh, this future 
capital of the new heavens and the new earth, the new Jerusalem, which is in heaven right now, all right? The city, verse 23, does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. That chapter started out saying that God's coming, he's he's making new heavens and a new earth, and the dwelling of, of men will be with God and God with men. Is that incredible? The light we'll have is this light that's right now in this heavenly place called the holy place. I just am fascinated by that kind of stuff. You go back to Isaiah 60. Isaiah 60 and verse 19. Again, a prophecy connected with what I just read in Revelation. Isaiah 60 and verse 19. The sun will no more be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. That's cool stuff. That's not metaphoric. That's literal. Wow. Of course, I threw in from my own notes, Isaiah 9, 2, where this light from God invaded the darkness of the world with Jesus, the Messiah. Oh, it was covered, but it was there. John chapter 1, verse 5. The light has come into the world. The darkness has not overcome it. That's what the Greek word really means, has not overcome it. In other words, no matter how dark, the light's going to keep shining. It's going to keep shining. It's God's light. I love it. Okay, back in Exodus, chapter 26. I should, we, should start a, we should start a little Bible school or something. Because I, love, I really love doing this kind of stuff. And I, I'd rather do it in a classroom setting, too, where I'm not standing up here when I'm closer to you. You know, I love that kind of stuff. Okay, I will. Maybe. We'll pray about it. Uh, Exodus, chapter 26. Oh, one of my favorite sections. Make the tabernacle with ten curtains of finely twisted linen of blue, uh, and blue, purple, and scarlet yarn with cherubim, angelic beings, worked into them by a skilled craftsman. Now that's the first uh, set of curtains uh, and coverings for the tabernacle. White, purity and holiness, blue, heaven, purple, royalty, scarlet, I believe, along with the guys smarter than me, sacrifice. Wow. Jump down to verse 7, chapter 26. Make curtains of goat hair for the tent over the tabernacle, 11 all together. The goat was a common sacrifice for sin. The goat was especially one of the key sacrifices on the Day of Atonement. By the way, the Day of Atonement, uh, they had sacrifices every day. And you had, uh, there was all kinds of sacrifices. All kinds of sacrifices. The Day of Atonement was a one for all, all for one sacrifice. Are you with me? It was a one-for-all, all-for-one sacrifice. And the high priest was the one who went in and sprinkled that blood on the mercy seat, on the seat of atonement, also called the mercy seat. But he came back out, and every year they do the same thing, every year. But it was a one-for-all, all-for-one, but they had to keep doing it. I think you know why, and we'll get to that. They sacrificed the bull, blood, mercy seat, uh, come back out, seat of atonement. Uh, then he take the goat, and there were two goats. One was sacrificed. The blood of the goat was brought in, put on the seat of atonement, the mercy seat. And then the other goat was called the scapegoat. They lay their hands. He, the, the priest laid his hands on the scapegoat, representative for the people. That now all the sins of the people was going on the scapegoat, and the blood 
was covering their sin and the scapegoat, all their sins going to this goat and somebody lead him way out in the wilderness. Uh, some people say he ended up being pushed off a cliff. I don't know, but he, they, got, they got him out of there where he's not going to come back. And you know the, the lesson there, your sins are gone. Thanks for joining Pastor Danny today in his journey through Exodus, a book about deliverance. This Old Testament book reveals God's power and authority, but it also expresses God's heart to fulfill His promises. God does what He says He'll do, and nothing can stand in His way. If there's anything about today's message that has you scratching your head in confusion, feel free to contact us. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Let us know, too, how we can be praying for you. That address again is info at ccfstpete.church. If you're not already part of a church community, we want to encourage you to find a church home near you. This will be a place where you can grow in your faith and ask tough questions, while also finding a community of believers that will support you. If you're in the St. Petersburg area, come join Pastor Danny at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We're holding services each Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9 and 11. If you can't make it in person, you can still be a part of our time of worship via live stream. You'll find all the information you need on our website. One more time, that's ccfstpete.church. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll join us again for our next edition in the book of Exodus, right here on The Living Word.